me is Zach Lesher. Say hello, Zach. Hey, everybody. Well, and welcome back. You know, sorry we didn't do our podcast yesterday, but I was still in my van with my two boys driving back from Washington. I live in Oregon, in Southern Oregon, and I was up in um, a place called Hoquiam, Washington, which is uh, kind of a suburbia of Aberdeen, Washington, where Kurt Cobain of Nirvana is from. And I have a place up there, and we were camping out, and it's so cool. Zach was texting me going, all right, we on for podcast? And, well, the truth of the matter is, is no, because I was barely heading back to Oregon at that time. But I will say, I was on vacation, and something happened that should be considered normal. I was on vacation, and we still found an LCMS church, and my boys and I, we attended it while on vacation. And it didn't ruin our vacation, and neither of us had our heads explode because of it. That's awesome that you were able to find a church. That's the that's the good thing about being in a synod is that you can usually find a church uh, while you're out on vacation and other things. If you're away for a while, taking care of a family member, whatever. Right. So my shout out is to Pastor Vines of Calvary Lutheran Church in Aberdeen, Washington. Thank you for bringing us a law and gospel message, and thank you for your wonderful Bible study on the liturgy. So you did us a real strong positive there, and actually, in a side note, thank you to Pastor Rosso, um, who actually wrote the Bible study, and and so uh, I just had to get some thank yous out there because my boys and I enjoyed our time in the divine service and in the Bible study. Is that Pastor uh, Dan Vines? Yeah. Yeah, he's part of our group now. So, yeah, shout out and welcome aboard. And uh, was that uh, Timothy Rossow, Pastor Timothy Rossow, that wrote the uh, uh, study? The guy that used to be with um, 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 Steadfast Lutherans? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's retired out in that area, and I think he goes to that church. But he was out of town when I was there, so... We know each other via uh, internet media, not like, you know, face-to-face. I've met him once. We've met a few times, and he's a great guy. So, yeah, I know I know Pastor Rossow, and a totally cool guy. So, definitely good shout-outs. Okay, so good. Well, see, look at that. And you and I have never met face-to-face, and we know some of the same people. So, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yet, yet. There's that yet. We will. One day we will. One day we'll have the the sitting face-to-face, and, and uh, it'll be good. So maybe, I don't know, we might we might try to do a, a podcast from Higher Things. Uh, I could bring my computer there, and I could have some students around, and we could actually do uh, uh, Lutheran stuff, no drama, because I'm bringing our bumper stickers. And I'm Ooh, gonna, I'm gonna give yeah. away at higher things. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, we haven't heard hide nor hair in the group on the bumper stickers. So if you're listening, uh, tell Pastor Hoffman what to do with those guys. Yeah, I'm starting to get my own ideas here. And that's he's gonna the- stick them all over his refrigerator if you guys don't speak up. So say something. Well, I was like I said, I was thinking about. I got, I'm taking one of our members slash elementary school teachers. She's going to be the um, chaperone for the girls, and I'm going to be the guy chaperone. And uh, we're going to hire things in Pacific Lutheran University in Puyallup. They like to say Tacoma because it makes them feel better. But being from there, I'm just going, really? We don't, I can't argue with Puyallup or Tacoma. I like Puyallup because they have the fair. So I don't know. Um, well, and you know, with higher things, I'd really like to attend myself because I've heard good things. I've heard bad things. So I'd really like to be in attendance myself. I think next year I'm going to try and make an attempt to go and, uh, see what's going on for myself. And, uh, well, this is my second one. Is it? And, uh, I was wowed by how um well organized it was and i got a shout out to sandra ostapowich who she she's like the coordinator and um and to uh george borghart who's the president 
and he does great little uh, higher things, media minutes, and uh, the classes are always fascinating. So here's what I've learned when when you live in the anti-drama world, is when you don't go looking for drama, you find yourself speaking kindly of your neighbor, helping him and defending his reputation. <laughs> Well, right from the catechism, right? <laughs> Putting all the best construction on everything. And I'm not saying looking at heresy and saying it's okay because Higher Things doesn't have heresy. I'm saying I don't nitpick it to death like a, like an African blowfly or something going all over you. So um, it's, it's, it's a, when, it, when I look at what's out there for our youth, the answer is if it wasn't for Higher Things, there would be almost nothing. So higher things is a blessing from God himself. And, and like I said, I really, really want to try and make it next year and see, see, because I hear about breakout sessions and all this, but you know, I've never experienced uh, higher things. So I'd like to see, you know, what, what everything's about. And uh, I hear the liturgy is taught and all that. So I know several pastors, my own, uh, speaks at higher things so mm -hmm. well that um, and even other lutherans go there and they tell them look if you're not missouri synod don't commune you know well, they, they I, I, I hope they do that well, no you gotta <laughs> listen you gotta listen at like the national youth gathering and stuff like that they kind of go wishy-washy but here they're like nope i mean we're glad you're here come and learn about lutheranism more about even if you're another stripe of lutheran but this is a closed communion synod, and we practice it. And as part of catechesis for our young people, we need to see this displayed in our in our in our um, conferences as well. So, and for that, I I give them thumbs up. And and that clarifies something for everybody out there. We are closed communion. We are not close. Yeah, uh, that is an error that has been made and we won't get into all that so we can carry on in Romans 12 here. But we are closed communion. I mean, yeah. you have to have the six chief articles of faith found in the small catechism at bare minimum to join us at the altar. Yeah. Oh, and close communion is when he flicks the wafer and it misses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't. How you know, many wafers have you eaten off the floor? Because just as an elder, I've taken quite a few at this point. So. Um, no less than 15 in 10 years. Because you know what? Yeah. I, I go like this and I hand it to him. And I make sure I like him. You know those where you need two keys to launch the nuclear weapon? I hand uh -huh. it to him like I'm handing him one of those keys. And I make sure it's in their hand. Then I let go. Then I go to the next person and I hand them the other key. And so even there's a couple old ladies in our congregation. And when I hold my hand there, they're like, wow, we can actually take the communion wafer and brace on your arm. You've got such a lock on it. And then they can <laughs> take it. And I'm like, you know what? I've dropped enough of these things where I'm just not doing it anymore. So, yeah. Well, and, and I take the host by mouth, too. I, I don't place the host in my hand. It's just a personal piety thing. I'm not going to judge you. If you do, that's great. I used to do it all the time. But uh, my pastor's pretty good at shoving it down your throat so he doesn't drop it either. So, we Him. just, I got to say, we just got a great question. Another one in. So we got to jump on this Bible study because, first of all, it's Romans chapter 12, and it will it will change your life. And then we've got the we got the no drama uh, guys chiming in here on some good questions. So why don't we just, as we used to say in 4-H, let's kick this pig. And um, so we're starting with Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to read through it. It's only 20 verses. So we'll we'll just, we'll go through this, and then we'll talk about it. So I'll begin here with chapter 12, St. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, 
that by testing you, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by great the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches, in his teaching. The one who exhorts, in his exhortation. The one who contributes, in generosity. The one who leads, with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy, with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, for it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil. But overcome evil with good. Amen and Lord have mercy at I the same time. Uh, man, I will tell you, I said it. This chapter will change your life. It, it is clearly St. Paul is really digging in on identity, who we are. And that's okay. <laughs> A lot of times well, we, we And worry. this is great because Paul is taking the sinful nature that he knows that we have, and he's saying, instead of doing this, do this. Yeah. Instead of doing that, do that. It makes you by think. this this is this is how you're gonna stay in the faith. By not doing what you what your flesh is gonna do, do this instead. You know, it's like Luther was reading a lot of Paul when he wrote his catechism. You know, do yeah. not hurt your harm or neighbor in any in uh, in any way, but help protect and defend him in every physical need and putting everything in the best construction, right? And so it's like this way of St. Paul's talking is kind of a Jewish way of talking. Don't do this, but do this. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This kind of thing. And so St. Paul just nails it to say, you know what? It's okay. What I'm doing right now is showing you this life that you've already been given for free by the grace of Jesus Christ. Here's what this looks like. And that's okay. That's good. That's right. And for, for let's see how Paul opens this up. Though. Let's take a minute and pause because Believe it or not, I have something pretty deplorable written in my Bible here. Yeah. And th this is way back when, when the Bible was an eisegesis book to me, right? And I um, I, I, I uh, highlighted the law, you know, what I got to do. And I totally missed the gospel. <laughs> uh, so the, the first section I have highlighted, and I have a note in here. You guys don't beat me up too bad because you know I'm not like this anymore. But it says how to be holy and i have an arrow pointed to this this first text like i'm gonna do this to myself that is so wrong don't do that um 
but I thought I'd share that just to show, yeah, we, you know, even, even when you think you know it, you know, I mean, back when I, I started in all, uh, you know, my studies and man, I was so out of it, but let's, let's read the first line of this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. That's pure gospel. He's appealing by the grace of God. Well, and now, and once again, Paul is not only saying this is kind of what we look like, he's also uh, displaying it. He's showing that, you know what? I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God. You know, this is how I'm doing it. I am not Marty Robbins coming to you to tell you how how his book is going to change your finances. But he's saying, by the mercies of God, I have this opportunity to share this truth with you. And, and you know, and when and if you want to be a better person, I suggest this all day. But if you want to base this on by the mercies of God, there is only really one way you can look at it. And it isn't a self-help manual. Well, and that's exactly what I did. And if you guys want to get it wrong, like I, I did way back when, you know, make this a bunch of rules instead of uh, I appeal to you because of the grace you've be given, been given, by the grace you've received, uh, by, by the blood of Christ and all the good gifts. Now, here's a big problem, though, too. Let's, let's talk about this for a second is – we're going right into chapter 12, right? And and chapters and verses weren't added till later. But if we go back up to verse 36 from chapter 11, he ends it, for from him and through him and to him are all things. So, uh, and, and then to him be the glory forever, amen. But right, so from God are all things. You're not going to fix yourself. You're not going to save yourself. It's all from God. Good point. He even he even follows up on it. That's where the therefore comes in. I appeal to you because this is true. For from him and through him uh, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. So, yeah, that's our, always a good point to remember that. The chapters and verse things, they were, they were made to facilitate things, but... Um, St. Paul didn't have this system. So this is also why, like, you always do a good job of remembering this, is to make sure you backtrack a little bit, get yourself caught up on the thought process so that you can push forward. And uh, so you don't realize, think you're reading an entirely different author in an entirely different book. <laughs> well, and I don't know of one Christian who has not made the error of, you know, not just reading the Bible as a law book. Yeah. You know, that that is a, a rookie mistake for sure. So you definitely, when you're studying scripture, this is a good reason why you go to Bible study. This is a good reason why you have a pastor, you know, uh, and and thank God for that. Uh, and we, we were talking a little bit off air about this. No, and I, and I say, and, and I challenge anyone to correct me on this, but no good student of the word got there by himself you know everybody's been taught by somebody and it we were talking about philip and the eunuch and the eunuch saying you know how can i understand this unless unless someone teaches it to me you know every every single one of us is taught there's nothing shameful in that we don't want to be haughty is our word right we want to be humble in this and and learn from those who've gone before us absolutely um there's a very uh, special uh, phrase that our own sainted CFW Walther said, and it goes, uh, where is it here? We ride on the shoulders of giants. And so he's recognizing that as a, uh, as Lutherans, uh, we aren't, we aren't as awesome as we think we are. We are part of the historic church. And so by saying we ride on the shoulders of giants, he's not just being self-deprecating. He's saying we're part of something bigger than what's happening right now. 
Yeah, so. for sure. Moses and Paul talk directly to God. So if you think you're going to outdo it, <laughs> I don't think so. You know, <laughs> we ride on the shoulders of giants. So <laughs> I'm really getting into this, uh, this voice to text. We have, uh, we have people from all over the, the, the world. Okay, we ride so on the shoulders to, of giants. To present our to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Sure. So let, let's go through that. What does that mean? So again, as I was saying, when we look at this and we say, "Okay, this is not uh, this is not the South Beach diet. This is not Dianetics. This is not this is not that." He's saying that Paul teaches what true worship is. And this is where we get into what makes Christians all priests. And he'll get into this more. But they are, it's how we, um, it's, it's how we view our, our, our standing, that we are one who is redeemed. And it, rather than waiting for the priest to bring the bull forward, this kind of thing is that each and every one of us is this living sacrifice and there our life that we live is one that says you know what i acknowledge these things are true and i believe it and and so even when we give our time talents and treasures for example that is part of what he's talking about the the lutheran study bible has a neat little neat little thing on it and i recommend you read it because uh they offer their money according to the law, but their own bodies with slaying of lusts. Then, so we start to say that, you know, okay, I gave money to the church. Great. I did this. But also, as a Christian myself, um, I'm, not, I'm not fooling around on my wife. I'm not doing despicable things. These kind of things, and, and we're not doing it for salvation. We're doing it because we said, you know what? This is who we are, and that's simply it. It's not, it's not your self-help. It's to say, you know what? This is already true, so this is what putting our bodies in check is about. You're not a better person, but it's a good thing to do kind of thing. Yeah, Nicole Peeper, uh, he says, uh, the goal of the Spirit is not to make the flesh more virtuous, but <laughs> it's to crucify and mortify the flesh. And that's so Lutheran, man. I know. Don't you just love him? Oh yeah. Another, oh, definitely. Another giant we so, get to. Yeah, the, right the job is is okay. We're we're basically dead men walking, but we're alive because of the spirit, right? So, yeah. so uh, what Paul is saying here is is yeah, don't don't put your hope in the flesh here. Present your body as a sacrifice to God because you know you're going to get a heavenly body. And he talks about that in First Corinthians 15. If you want to see him make all the contrasts of bodies and he uses birds and, and, and other animals as kind of contrasting bodies and, and all that. So we're, we're not trying to save these fleshly bodies. God has, I mean, these are the ones we're getting, but we're getting them in a glorified state. So, you know, without the sin in the resurrection. Well, basically. and we certainly, um, we certainly uh, want to be careful not to say, well, this body is just a shell, you know, it's, we're actually going to be given, uh, flesh bodies, you know, this kind of thing. So some people think, oh, well, you know, I, I'm doing a funeral upcoming here pretty soon. These people didn't say anything, but in the past, um, people have said, well, you know, this body was just a shell and he's in heaven now. And I'm like, well, we want to talk about that a little bit because yeah, that, he's that's awaiting the, the resurrection. So when I, was, when I was catechizing my kids tonight, we were talking about how, you know, body and soul. I mean, this is said in the sacrament too, right? Now may this true body and true blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ strengthen and preserve what? Body and soul, right? Yeah. Onto life everlasting. So, you know, what I what I tell my kids is I told them don't die fat. That's what I told them. Yeah. Don't die fat because you're going to have the body for eternity. Not like you'd care, but just don't die fat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, when you hear something like that, you go. Hold it right there, sport. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just telling them that. See, 
I, we had some running jokes because of my weightlifting. So they're like, Dad, why do you why do you do that to yourself? I'm like, well, because I'm going to have this body for eternity. So I got to get working on it now. Oh, my goodness. They must love that. Well, you know, they're so smart. They say, do you think Jesus is going to let you keep the tattoos? And I say, you know, I don't know. But either way, I won't care. Yeah, three of them, I think so. Eternally buff. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there. yeah. I mean, we definitely, we, we, we have to, once again, it's a Lutheran thing. We got to walk that line. Don't worship your body, but then again, don't treat it like you're stump jumping somebody else's car. Um, yeah, that's right. And, that, and that's not the, the goal of my lifting, too, so everybody out there knows. It's more sport, fun, and discipline. Um, I'm not into, you know, getting outside and, and, you know, posing down for the neighbors and be like, yo, check it out. Yeah. I don't think they'd be interested anyways. I got a hairy back and all that. So. <laughs> yeah, you and uh, Jay, Pastor Jason Swan are into lifting heavy things. Um. Okay, so as, as he gets in here, and this is where we get away from the uh, self-help book, because in verse 2, he shuts down all of our hopes and dreams. He says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So what does the world really want from us? The world wants you to be conformed to the world, man. Yeah, absolutely. Do whatever. they want you? They want your approval for what what they do. That's what they want most. Is they want a soothing of the conscience. Uh, they want you to pacify them in whatever they decide is good. Not what God decides is good. What they decide is good. Oh, totally. So, and in you know what, it, it comes from looking at you all kitten-like and going, come on, man. And if you, um, if, uh, if you say no, it becomes, it, it's not their, they lose their, they lose their kindness and it loses all of that. I'll kill you. Yeah, that's pretty much it. And, yeah, um, that's pretty yeah, well, and they get in, there's a few terms they like to throw at you, too. You're racist, you're hateful, these terms, you know, if you talk about the Ten Commandments. Yeah. And that's not true at all. Um, you know, but these they, they use these terms, especially these ones, moderate, you know, hate, hate this and, and racist this. Uh, if you talk about, you know, just the Ten Commandments, it's, it, it gets to be ridiculous. I wish I could think of more terms on the spot, but that's all I got. But, I mean... It's not. It's not hateful, by any means. It's loving to to talk about the Ten Commandments. If a guy is walking off a cliff and you're the guy yelling, "Hey, stop! There's a cliff!" and the other guy on the other side is saying, "Well, it's a nice day," you know, yeah. one of you is the loving one, and the other one, you know, is not. And well, it's not the guy saying it's the, it's a nice day. Well, it comes from. If you don't think like me, there is something wrong with you. <laughs> I'd rather have something wrong with me. Well, I mean, seriously, the world is like, if you don't think like me, if you don't approve of everything the world approves of, you're a hater, you're a racist, and St. Paul has just come right out, and Jesus himself has said it, and he'd say, I know, right? And um, and so, because by the world's standards, those words are used, remember, by the world's standards, not by Christian standards, so when the world says you are unloving, they're not saying because Christ says to love your neighbor. They're saying you're unloving because what you're really saying is you're you're unaffirming. And the and the gold the gold in here is where Paul says, "Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind." Yeah, and and, and this cannot happen without the the study of scripture, you know, and, and making sure you're partaking of the sacrament and praying and meditating, you know, you, you have to renew your mind around what God said is good. And the spirit is at work in this. This is not you doing this, but you know, you, you do have free will after regeneration and spiritual matters, you know, to an extent. So, I mean, we want to 
it's like the author of Hebrews says. So we don't want to remain these these idiot infants, you know, singing Jesus loves me, this I know. We want to mature in our knowledge of Christ, and in doing so, uh, we renew our minds. You know, God renews our minds to uh, conform us to the image of Christ. Certainly. Only the Holy Spirit gives us faith to trust in these words, and through study of God's word, which the Bible is the only source in doctrine, uh, the source of our doctrine. Um, and as we study it, this is the renewal, not by anything other than God's own word. And so when we dis discern what the will of God is, we don't have to have a spiritual or a um, some sort of mystical experience. We look at the scriptures and we know that the will of God is thus. And um, so we have, and why, why can we say things like, and acceptable and perfect, what is good, acceptable and perfect? Because it's the word of God and it's God's will. It's not us being uh, good, acceptable and perfect, but we're discerning what really is, and that would be God's will. Amen. And, you know, that's, a lot of this is, is simply, you know, the Ten Commandments. I think if you, if, if most uh, Christians out there knew the small catechism well enough, you could do a lot of this just from the small catechism. There's enough to equip you in the small catechism to fight, you know, some of the most vicious attacks from the devil. Yeah, I know. That's, that would be like having, um, that'd be like having a hundred people shoveling the snow out of your driveway uh, in the world versus just you. You know, having the being well armed with the small catechism is to say that you have a, a Lutheran Christian who is ready to hear good things and is ready to discuss things that are incorrect in a way that doesn't just come off as kind of swarmy. Yeah, I really put my kids on the chopping block tonight, and I'm like, so how can my pastor, Pastor Measle and Pastor Jaeger, those are my two pastors. I'm like, how could they forgive my sins? How can a man forgive sins? And notice that question is eerily familiar, right? It's right. it's uh, the same question the Pharisees threw at Jesus. Uh, and, and, and then I have to take them through. See, I try and stump them. I try and play devil's advocate. But they're, they're smart kids. So, you know, we went to John 20, 23, and I'm like, here's the authority given, you know, to the, the office of the Holy Ministry. And this is how by the by the command and in the stead of Christ for your for your assurance and for mine. So, um, and this is you know kind of it fits into what we're talking about here because this is you know teaching them to discern what is good and acceptable and perfect. So, yep, and that's really the point. Um, I suggest here that since we have some really amazing questions that we. Go through uh, verse eight, and then move on to a couple questions. Because I tell you, oh. tell you, I'm I'm chomping at the bit here. So. Well, yeah. Let me just touch on chapter three, and then I'll, I'll let. So basically, through this, Paul saying, "Don't do this. Do this instead. Don't do this. Do this instead. Don't do this. Do this instead." This is actually a handy chart to keep in your pocket. So it's like uh, when he says. Uh, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but think in sober judgment. You know, so if you're thinking highly of yourself, you know, pull out your little chart that says, oh, think of sober sober judgment instead, you know, and then pray. Pray for the strength. Sure. Well, so, all right, let's move on. Um, chapter, uh, verse three, uh, for by the grace given to me, I say everyone among you not to think of himself right uh, more highly, but. He gets into chapter, uh, verse 4. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of, one, of another. Having gifts that differ according to this grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to faith, if service in our serving, if the one who teaches in his teaching and the one who exhorts in his exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So it's to say, first of all, that we have to admit that the Christian church is indeed a body. 
And it's not a body of eyeballs. It's a body with Christ as the head. And then we have eyes and ears and mouth and, and arms and legs and, and hearts and lungs and fingers. And one of the death traps of the church is trying to think that everybody is the same body member. And in reality, as a congregation, as a gathering of a diversity of people, well, guess what? You're going to have a diversity of members and bodies, body parts. So I just really like this because some of the gifts that are given to some people are not given to other people, not because they have less faith or something, but because, let's face it, not everybody is called into the same thing. That's right, and I've watched these gifts play out in my own congregation, and I covet with a, a godly jealousy. I shouldn't say covet, but I, I get jealous with a godly jealousy over, you know, some of the congregants I see in, in some of these services, you know, with with their their lovingness or their patience, and I'm like, man, I wish I had more patience, you know. Yeah, um, yeah but we all have different gifts and, and different, and it's, the body works together. So Paul goes off on the Corinthians because uh, they're like, well, I don't need you. You're just a foot and, and I'm a hand. You know, that's kind of his argument, right? Uh, yeah. They're they're puffing themselves up all saying, yeah, look at me, look at me. They're being haughty. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, he's going off on them because, you know, and he's got to – the funny thing is he's got to talk to them like children. He's like, does the foot say to the hand because I'm not a hand? You know, that I'm not part of the body, you know, and you can check that out in, in Corinthians, dear listeners. Um, but, yeah, Paul, Paul yells at them for for building themselves up over their their neighbor in service. But as we clearly see, we all have different gifts from God that we, we need each other. We work together. Sure. We flow as one well-oiled machine. Oh, well, the reason why I thought it was so cool to to read this part and then transition over to the questions was one of the one of our listeners asked the question can women really have it all as feminism tells them or does something have to give from one aspect to allow the other to flourish now this for some people is like a trigger thing like they get all upset and worried about you know because defining feminism well, even to be honest, defining feminism for me as a kid in the 70s and 80s is not how it's defined today. So we have to just be aware of our terms. And a lot of modern feminism, which I don't know a lot of modern feminists, but I know it exists, is is kind of almost a usurping, not just of men, but all maleness in general. And so that's that's that kind of feminism. I think most what what this question is asking is with the people that say, well, I have a wife who has a job and we have kids and and we have it all. And and I think that's what they're saying. And and I don't and we don't do drama. So what we're going to say is the truth of the matter is um, when God gave women an ability that men don't have to have babies. And when the women, and I'm not talking about the exceptions, please, so don't send me hate mail over this, but it's to say that if you have a relationship that says, you know what, mom, you're, you're, you, you have gifts that I don't have. And so if you care for these kids, like my wife did with our kids who are sweet boys, and um, then it's going to be okay. But if, you know, with the exceptions, I know they, I'm a school administrator. I know there's exceptions. But um, I'm just saying that it is hard to say that I've had a rewarding career for 40 years as this profession. And I have also can say in all honesty that I've devoted the same amount of time to my kids or vice versa. I've been a devoted mother and therefore, I've been able to devote everything to my to my um, career. I just don't know. You 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 might be able to do both, but you're not really having it all. Because in anything, if uh, you one thing has to give in order to make sure the other is successful. And so the truth of the matter is, is um, I believe that people do have a career and a family, but I also believe that. 
it can be a serious struggle trying to give 100% to two things that demand 100% and literally you can't. No, and that's that's right on. And it's it's like this. So if my kids are acting and playing in their old Adam, which they like to do uh, when my stress levels are very high, uh, and they end up hurting one another or something like that, they, they go to mom. And there's a reason they go to mom first, because they know that uh, they're going to get a softer, gentler uh, kind of backlash from mom than they are from dad. And this is kind of the functions between men and women. Men, uh, women have a uh, softer touch and are more gentle, usually kinder, loving, better looking than men. And um, men are designed to be more strength-filled, more uh, work-oriented in the sense of hard physical labor. Our bodies are designed completely different. I cannot bear children and I cannot breastfeed children. And it's a good thing that I don't try because that would go against God's ordained creation. Yeah. You're going to get some licks. And and at the same time, my wife, you know, has no business getting on a three-story roof and standing trusses. She does not have the physical strength and she'll fall off. Yeah. So, we have different roles, but these roles coordinate together for the building up of our family, for the building up of the church, you know? Well, this, so that's where we're going to get the hate mail. Cause I, cause the women construction workers. Hey, you know, I'm not saying they can't be out there, but I'm saying it's miserable for me. I don't know why they'd want to do it. Um, you know, we've had 104 degree temperatures and, my, my whole point is is not that they can't do it. It's that I don't see why they'd want to. You know, it is yeah. hard, grueling labor, and I'm not saying they can't. But I'm saying, you know, there's a definitely, they can't deny the science that, you know, I have a more masculine physique than a woman has, you know. You have a more masculine physique than I have. Sure, okay. but let's say I'm normal for a minute. Let's let's take me back to when I was 16, okay? When you let's still had a more masculine physique than I have. Okay. Well, and I'm just saying the question is valid, and I, I, I don't think we can, should be able to worry about talking about this without it becoming drama and saying, well, there's exceptions to the rules, and we welcome them, and, and we say that, but... We're just talking sort of generally. We're painting with a broad brush. So you're going to just have to accept the fact that sometimes we paint with a broad brush. We're not writing new laws here. We're just pointing out some things that are pretty obvious. And and if you deny them, then I, I think you're struggling a little bit with reality. Even if you say, well, I know some women that are bigger than men. You're right. I just said there is exceptions and we honor them and recognize them. So get off our back. So... No. Well, and that's that's what I said, too. I, I didn't say you can't. I just said, you know, why would you want to? Um, because there's there's a, a, a difference in, in creation there, you know, where men are more masculine. That's just, you know, that's what it is. That's how God has, has put forth things. And, men you know, and, I think and Russian Peter <laughs> answers this question best, you know, when he talks about uh, the role of man. Or, or I'm sorry, it's Paul. Or is it Peter? I don't know. It's late for me here. So cut me some slack, but we'll kind of quote where he says, you know, don't let your adorning be exterior with, you know, braided hair and gold and jewels, but let it be inward with, with Christ, you know, let Christ flow from you, the grace you've received from Christ, you know, let your beauty be inward, you know, and, and men don't act like idiots. Don't act like jerks. You know, we all know the, the, the films on TV where you got the college guys, you know, acting like pigs, huh, huh, yeah. huh, huh, chicks, man, huh. yeah. don't be an idiot, you know, same for you, uh, you know, be a man, a man of Christ and do your work quietly, you know, doesn't mean you can't have fun and tell jokes, but, you know, obviously don't, don't be one of those guys who's, you know, telling dirty jokes, you know, and there's people around that just you would offend don't be a jerk right well and moving on uh we have a question and this relates directly 
to me. Um, and uh, we'll clarify some terminology here, but um, Ron Elson asks, what role does a priest have within a Lutheran school? And Ron uses the term priest for Lutheran clergy. We're over it. It's not a drama topic. And so within Christ Lutheran school, the Lutheran pastor happens to also be the administrator of the school. So not only am I the spiritual life uh, guy, <laughs> um, I'm also, you know, I deal with curriculum and everything. But this is my pet peeve, that a pastor doesn't, people think that a pastor doesn't have a major role in a Lutheran school because what they've done is they've forgotten the most important thing about a Lutheran school is that it is first and foremost a ministry to the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. So if you're treating your pastor in the Lutheran school like he's some sort of afterthought, you are harming the ministry of Jesus Christ. Um, I will be giving a presentation on this at the Oregon Teachers Conference coming up in October, uh, and I call it... Um, uh, Teaching the Faith, uh, All Things to All People, Teaching the Faith in Lutheran Schools. And I've discovered the secret to, to being all things to all people, and that is preach Christ in a confessional manner, because for that to be my message, he it is all things for all people. No, and you know what? You hit the nail on the head, and I can speak a little bit to this, too, because both of my kids attend school where my church is and I am an elder at. So we have a school also, which is Christ Lutheran School. Woo! Yeah! <laughs> uh, Total so, quinkity, listeners. You know, a great catechism for me to do with my kids, um, if I'm getting a little off the catechism, you know, like, because they already have that as regular work, is I'll ask them, what did you guys learn in chapel today? And and I will tell you, 99.9% .9 of the time, they have a very faint, weak story from the scripture, because it's no fault of the pastor. You know, they, they really weren't paying attention or they didn't understand and they didn't ask the pastor to clarify, which I've told them a hundred times. He is there for you to clarify for you. Make sure that you ask him if you're not clear, but they feel comfortable coming home to dad. And, you know, we have the talks and then what we do is we go deeper into what they learned that day. And we, we kind of unpack not only the text and I make them answer back to me what I'm saying, but, um, we, we go into some type and shadow too, and always how this points to Jesus. So right. um, it is awesome to have the pastors and the other staff there all the time in a, in a learning environment where, where God is first and we're keeping the first commandment. Sure. It is a true blessing. Um, and if, if you're missing out that, and if you're listening to this and you have a Lutheran school and you don't have a pastor who's super active, well, Make sure you take out your educational cattle prod and make sure he's in, engaged and make sure that your school uh, administrator is realizing that they are partners in this ministry, each having their own vocation. And, um, and if, one, if that pastor is not performing a stronger role, then that needs to be looked into. But last but not least... We actually got to every to three questions. The, all of the three questions that were asked for today's uh, readings. The question is, why are Lutheran books never found in Christian bookstores? That's really easy. <laughs> <laughs> Most Christian bookstores are are reformed, and so they tend to not sell non-reformed. Material. It's simple. It's why. It's why. I, I think you're being kind. I think they've gone more prosperity gospel. Maybe towards you, they're more reformed. Towards me, they're they're more heretical. It's they should take the name Christian off and just put uh, how to get rich store. Maybe sure. it should be the new title. With okay, all the okay, okay. You got me. I mean, they are. They. I'm just gonna say because they are so not Lutheran that having Lutheran books in there might burn the store down. And, um, you know, because I asked one time, do you have any books on Martin Luther? And they're like, no. 
why would we have books on him? And I, and I said, because <laughs> he's pretty much. No, the Reformation thing, that, that thing that happened. He's written about, only person more written about in the history of the world has been Jesus himself. And so I'm just going, and you don't have one, I just, just so you know. But anyway, um, and so that's the answer to that. But we are now 50 minutes in. And you guys, if you want us to, if you want us to have these long things, we have to pay for it. So if you want to pay for us to have longer uh, podcasts, we are more than happy to to just put it towards Podbean, and uh, and we'd love to be able to do this. But and if you are, then let us know in the group. And if you're in the group and you're not subscribed to this podcast, you need to do it. We got over a thousand. Uh, group subscribers so we need you all subscribe to the podcast anyway that's all the time we have for today um this has been pastor hoffman for christ lutheran and zach lesher from also christ lutheran but a different one saying god bless your week